the Other Three Amigos podcast with Damien Shreenan, Wayne Mullins and Declan McCormack. Three lads, one podcast. It is a special, a tap, bite-sized, bite-sized special. We are joined by Bill O'Leary, the chairman of Core Ramblers Football Club. I know, I know, it's, it's, it's unheard of. Firstly, Bill, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks, Damien. Nice to be here. Um, the and Wayne is there as well. Declan, they're going to say the same thing every time. Evening, Mr. Sheen, how are you? And Wayne will say, hi, evening, lads. Um, so look, I'll just do the introductions <laughs> for them, uh, just to cut that out. Um, yesterday, of course, Cork City played Cove Ramblers down in St. Colman's. A 1-0 win for Cork City. However, the big talking point would have been the um, collapse of a fence uh, after Robbie Keaton scored the goal, um, which some uh, fans fell onto the pitch. Cove Ramblers released a statement today and it said, as a club, our safe, uh, the safety of all our patrons is the most important consideration in every game. We are thankful that nobody was injured yesterday when a section of our pitch fencing collapsed yesterday into the area occupied by the Cork City fans as they celebrated a goal. We would never have foreseen such a large surge forward onto the fence and we were satisfied that its collapsible design prevented an injury. A greater dispersion of the Cork City fans, especially specifically in this area, was advisable and we recognise this. There was a sufficient space in this terraced area to allow for greater dispersion, specifically behind the dugouts, and there was a joint responsibility here. Uh, critically, the allocation of families to the seated Leah McMahon stand prevented any children from being present during the surge. As part of our debrief of the game, we will action any learnings for us. Finally, we'd like to thank the Gardaí, the Cork City staff and FAI representative and our own volunteers for their timely reactions. Bill, a good a good statement. Um, few people critical of a few words in it today, but um, that pretty much sums up everything from the Cove Ramblers side. It does, and look, we're trying to be as fair and as representative uh, as we can here, right? Um, um, obviously, this is an unfortunate incident, Damien and, and Deck and Wayne. We would have preferred not that it happened. Obviously, um, it's something that we need to learn from. I think, uh, um, thankfully, nobody was injured, and which is which is the most desired outcome. But um, certainly, we're not going to sit here and say there's no learnings for us. There probably is one or two learnings, but I think there's learnings for, you know, not just us. There's learnings for for many different uh, cohorts here. I would say. And um, there, there, there was a. Firstly, people were saying it was overcrowded. That section was overcrowded, but there were pictures put out, and you could see there was plenty of space actually up the line and behind the touchline. The other, other, other one then was um, people were criticising the fence and that it had fell, fallen down. But this fence was a. It's a surge, like you know, it's designed to collapse if there's a push forward. Is it? Absolutely, that is the design of it, right? And I, I don't accept for a minute that 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 area was overcrowded. If you do look at some of the pictures, there is more than adequate space right down towards the, you know, the the dressing room area and behind the dugouts. Um, no, could could our stewards, or sorry, could our security uh, um, co- external company have done more to encourage and and even stronger, I suppose, enforce Cork City fans to move further down towards the dugouts, possibly. Were they asked numerous times? Yes. Did they do it to the extent that was would was probably optimal? Probably no. Um so I mean that's the reality. Did did defence uh, contribute or did it uh, did it exacerbate or did it reduce the impact? Certainly reduce the impact. If there was a concrete wall there or a non collapsible fence, we'd be in a much more difficult position here, guys. That goes without saying. We'd have taken some learnings from Cork City fans the last time that they came down, and we did make a family-only area. And you could see behind the Lee McMahon in the Lee McMahon goal area, there was it was mainly families and young kids. 
that's thankful and that thankfully was adhered to by the Cork City fans, which is great, right? So it could have been a lot worse if there was kids, right, in that in, in the surge area. So there wasn't, which was which was There was a few big kids, I can tell you. There was a few big kids, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you get you and you get that, right? You you get that and that's the nature of football uh, all over the world, right? The, the, these fans are no different from other fans anywhere and you know, long weekend, probably if you drink some board, everyone in good spirits, you know, everyone relaxed a bit hyped up local derby, you know, a cup game, you know, you, you tend to get emotions running high and maybe people get a bit overexcited. Right. So. Have you, have you noticed an increase? And so we, we've kind of, a lot of people are saying it, that there seems to be a new breed of more flares, pyro, smoke bombs and stuff. Like that. Have you noticed uh, as a club that there's been a massive increase and a bit more crowd trouble than pre COVID? Certainly, certainly Damien, without a doubt, across all, all uh, football predominantly, I wouldn't say we don't see it in GA or rugby. Um, so that is a bit of a worry, right? Are we seeing it only in Ireland? No, we're seeing it across Europe. What's the what's the cause of it? In my opinion, it's probably like pent up emotion. Lots of these kids and teenagers were, you know, you know, locked up at home for two years and they're they're like, you know, they're full of pent up aggression and emotion and not so much aggression, I'd say it's more kind of like um emotion and high spirits and things and but certainly and we, certainly it, you know it's it's not condonable that that they ever come in with flares or smoke bombs and we had to we did a lot of um searching yesterday with the help of Robbie from Cork City and others from Cork City and the Gardaí and uh, our own uh, ex- external security company overseen by the FAI and and we confiscated lots of flares on both on both sides not just on the city side do you want to sell them <laughs> They're, they're know, there, you know, know they're, they're there, they're there. And, you know, what do you do? How do you enforce that, right? How do you enforce, like, like stopping short, stopping short of actually strip searching somebody? How do you, how do you, how do you make yeah. sure some, nobody just brings, and kids are bringing them in, unfortunately, that's the reality. Bill, yeah, I was going to leave this to later on, but seeing as we're talking about flares and that, no, I, look, I presume that as chairman of Cove Ramblers, you are in regular contact with other chairmen of other clubs in the division. I don't know how much contact first division chairman would have with premier division clubs and that, but I guess the question is, is there any thought starting to emerge um, within, say, the group of chairmen that maybe the strategy here is wrong, that the outright banning of flares and smoke bombs is not proving to be a success, so maybe we should move more to a safe usage and safe disposal type policy rather than an outright ban. It's a good question, Dick, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert in pyrotechnics, but I don't know if there's a threshold above or below. Sorry, below which you know their use is deemed safe. I would say not. I I would imagine yeah. right that using these to any extent these these pyrotechnics is not a safe practice. So. I, I think even though in principle that's a nice philosophy, I don't think in practice it would work. So I, I think the best way around it is is part of the initiative that we're all involved with as clubs at the FEI now is 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 creating greater liaison with our supporters and having official supporters, uh, supporter liaison um, officers in each club mm-hmm. and creating that linkage with them. Will it stop it? Maybe not. It might just filter out and dissipate over time, but, but certainly we need to improve it. But it's almost unenforceable, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, but like you're making the point, it's almost unenforceable. I agree with you because, as you've already said, nobody can search an eight or a nine year old kid going into a ground and, and they're being given the thing and they're bringing in the flares and things like that. Yes. 
But yet the FAI are still fining clubs. I guess in Cove Ramblers are going to get fines from yesterday. Cork City are going to get fines from yesterday. So it's fine yeah. for you know, but the FAI are still enforcing these fines on a policy that is almost yes. unworkable, as you say. Yes. And that's not an even no. balance from where I'm looking for clubs, you know. No. No, and I, 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 and I said this to the FAI uh, myself because we had one or two incidents earlier in the season. There's nothing to be gained by the FAI finding Cove Ramblers or Cork City for the use of flares because it's not as if we're deficient in our control measures. We're doing everything we can. We're searching to a reasonable extent the people that we can search within the law, all right? and we're, we're confiscating and banning those people from the ground. And there was people banned yesterday and there was about 12 or 15 flares confiscated. Um, on both sides um but 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 by by finding any club you're not what are you trying what are you actually achieving nothing you're just taking from revenue stream for clubs that are desperate desperate for money and desperate for survival and growth do you think so this went like viral all over the internet um certain media were posting up pictures and frightening scenes and things like that do you think the media may have like blowing this up far bigger than they should have been certainly if you look at one or two in particular damien the language was was as hyperbolic and sensational sensationalist right that's the game those guys are in they make mountains out of molehills and i'm okay with that to some extent but they have a responsibility too to report especially when it comes to safety and um, to report the facts and not overly sensationalize something because i think that doesn't serve anybody well um there is learnings there for everybody um, certainly we will be reviewing our security measures are we as a club happy with with our ex, with our external security company this morning i would say not are we going to fix that i would say yes have we made uh, inroads in that space already we have and um but you know so there is some learnings there and i think look we're all we're all trying to achieve something here which is a safe enjoyable experience for families and kids and and patrons and ourselves that love the game right in ireland and we it's incumbent on us to make it the best possible um, event that it can be would you know um for everybody right so so um we're not walking away from this right we do accept that we could have done a couple of things better but um you've that you've that kind of volatile mix of drink and the bank holiday weekend and and sunny weather and um but certainly i don't accept the fact that 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 area was overly populated um you know, there's a personal responsibility to there, Damien, I would say, right, for people to, to move to kind of a safer area or where there is space. You know, we're gone from the old situations and, you know, back, I can remember being on a muddy terrace up in Flower Lodge as a kid. You know, we're gone away from those crazy unsafe conditions where people would, you know, stand in high density alongside each other. Now there's adequate space there. Like, should we have seating in, 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 in there in, in the long term? I would say so. I would much prefer that. I think that I think it's a much safer experience, right? Um, and we've seen that um, across Europe. But that's as I said. Do you think now? I mean, the League of Ireland, if the FAI, is it time for them to say, okay, we need to start investing in infrastructure? We have to. I mean, you, you look at Sligo may have had to move to Tala to play their European games. You've got say um, that other Dublin team there. They're playing in Tala as well for the European match. Um, Saint Pat. <laughs> yeah, she looked her up in Dublin. That's fine. And, and that was a big thing that that kind of went around. People started quote. We we put up the um the video of it. Um, obviously, <clears throat> since the day, uh, being responsible for the sensitization of it, if that's even the word. Um, but there was a lot of people, and and they agreed. We have to 
you know, start looking at the FAI need to start putting some money into the infrastructure of the ground. Um, have you received support from them or are you, look, you know, is this something that well, should open up the eyes of the um, of the lads? Well, if you look at, like, look at the ownership of this ground, it's owned by the FAI and they've been very good to us. We've agreed a long-term lease with them, which is fantastic and we're internally grateful. Lots of negotiations, very positive step forward. For us, I would say, as a club, it's given us certainty. Are the League of Ireland facilities deficient? I think there's a general acceptance there. I think the FAI accept that. I think I think the powers of be need to start supporting Irish uh, domestic football. You know, you look at some of the other 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 I, I would say other sports in Ireland, you know, greyhound racing and others, which are far less, uh, you know, less numbers in terms of spectator interest, getting far greater monies in terms of subsidies from the government. Very strong lobby groups for some of those. I think I think certainly we need as a cohort, everyone that loves Irish football needs to do this together we need to we need to lobby government and government need to start supporting facilities because you're not going to grow the game if you look at the growth of irish rugby in the last 20 years guys an awful lot of that was driven okay it was driven ostensibly by the rivalry between munster and leinster but also it was it was it was facilitated by the, by the improvement in facilities across the country and uh, we're still miles off that tappers become an elite supporter of your favorite podcast by signing up to our patreon for as little as two euro a month, you can help us to continue to bring you all your favourite Cork City FC news and fun. Imagine life without Liam Bossen. Imagine not hearing Commie Watch. Well, it's time to stop being a tight arse and sign up to one of our five tiers. Each tier has different perks for you. Click the link on totap.ie or head to patreon.com forward slash totap. We're broke and poor and need your hard-earned cash. We play again in two and a half weeks. What can be done to avoid a similar situation? Yeah, so I think the first thing we need to we need to move quick on this, Wayne. I think uh, we'll repeat a lot of what we did before. We'll have the external security. We'll have searching. We'll have confiscation. We'll have banning. We'll have your fans going into the your your families going into the Limac Man stand. We'll have increased security external in that area, and we we will not only encourage, but we'll have to enforce. Right, we'll have to enforce within reason the movement the greater dispersion of fans from the North Terrace right down the length of that North Terrace, and we'll have to repair the fencing. Um, and that'll be done. Neil, can I just double back to what you've been saying about the dispersal of people and it's there's a touch of personal responsibility to mm. move down the bank and the North Terrace mm. and things like that. I mean, it's it's football. Football fans tend to gather in, in groups because it's a better atmosphere and it allows for chanting and singing and ostensibly messing a lot of the time, to be fair, you know. But yeah, the idea that it's personal responsibility doesn't quite sit well with me in terms of it's Cove Ramblers home game so you guys are responsible for health and safety crowd safety you know everything that happens in the confines of the stadium so I guess with my Cork City hat on I'm just saying like you know is it really fair to say that fans should have a personal responsibility to move down the bank or does that issue lie with you guys as I I would say it's it's not binary. It's not 100% us and 0% uh, Cork City fans, or it's not 50-50. It's probably more biased towards us. We're providing the game. We're, we're facilitating the event and, and, and so on. But, but, but Declan, we all, it goes without saying, we all have a personal responsibility for our own safety every day of the week. When we get into our car, 
when we walk on the road, when we cycle on the road, when we go on there, wherever we go, right? And that's not any different to when you go in to a sporting event. You don't suddenly abdicate responsibility and say, right, my safety is nothing to do with me now. Okay, and that's that's fair enough, and I understand what you're saying, Bill, and I, I do have some sympathy for you in, the, in in relation to it, but I just I think Cork City fans are going to find it hard to accept that any responsibility lies with them from a co-brander's point of view. Even though I just said that that you have a like in in every in every aspect of our life, Declan, we have a responsibility for our own safety. Does that change the minute you walk into a sporting event? No. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. One more from me. So, and this is like you probably haven't listened to the pod, but this is really hard for me to say, Bill. You know, in terms of yesterday's match referee, Ray Matthews, like in everything that's gone on yesterday, he's one guy who's gotten no praise or no good word, but I thought he was fantastic. You know, he <laughs> kept a sense. Well, okay, maybe you tell me differently, but I, I thought he kept a sensible head in that. You know, he left the players on the pitch. There was no hyperbole. There was no, you know, running around. The game's going to be called off. Any of this stuff. He just took ten minutes, got it all sorted, and got on with the game. And I thought there's a lot of credit due to him for that. Just wonder what your what your opinion on the whole situation. Yeah, Declan, I'd agree with that. I, I would agree with that, and I think uh, you look the officials in in FAI and League of Ireland football come in for a lot of abuse, and I think it's important we recognise when they do perform, they get they get applauded. And I think in this case, this is this doesn't happen every day of the week. You don't have fences fences collapsing every day of the week in League of Ireland football, thankfully. But um, he dealt with it very calmly and in in a, in a measured way, and and and, and the, the game continued. But in addition to that, I'd like to pay special uh, recognition to some of the Cork City uh, uh, reps, uh, Robbie and 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 Aine and others, who helped some of our stewards to put in the temporary fencing and to move people back, and to facilitate the continuation of the game. Um, and so 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 it was a joint effort, right? And uh, and and we have a good relationship with Cork City at every level, um, and we've worked hard at that, and we recognise that, and I think it's important that continues. We as a club are are. We're a car club, just like you are. And uh, okay, we have the rivalry, guys, but like we're we're happy when you're doing well. There's no sense of like um, you know, there's there's no gratification for us when when Cork City are not you know performing to the best of their ability and representing Cork at a national international level, that you know as best they can. So, you know, we want to try and create win-win scenarios with Cork City, and I think we'll get over this and we'll get over it together. And like I give you an example. Yesterday I spoke with Robbie again about the idea of us using their your security company. We did approach your security company a number of weeks ago to use them, um, and they, they felt there was a conflict of interest, which really it re, it isn't really right. So, um, so we will be talking to them because, with all due respects, your security company are more experienced in handling bigger crowds and bigger events, and there's probably some learnings there for us, right? So we will we will be in touch with them. Okay, very good. And just one last one, Bill. Just at any stage yesterday, was the game in danger of being called off? It's a good question, Declan, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I was tied up with many other things and I didn't uh, yeah. I didn't get a chance at that particular moment to go onto the pitch to the ref and I left it with him really. Um uh, left it with him to make his decision with, with with the managers and so on. It could have been, it's hard to know, but I, I think if we hadn't responded together, both clubs together with the guardie and, and the security, it probably wouldn't have gone ahead. So so thankfully it did go right. ahead. But right. ultimately everyone is safe, everyone went home safe, and I hope everyone had an enjoyable, uh, enjoyable, uh, enjoyable day. Um I think that's that's it from all of it from from our on that side. 
2,700 people at the game yesterday. Uh, financially very handy for for uh, for the two teams because it's a split on the FAA Cup. And, of course, the FAA get their pound of flesh as well. Uh, but um, the um, just in terms of finances, Bill, um, he recently launched the 300 Club. Um, which which looks to be kind of a like a members like a forest kind of thing is is, is am I right in that? It, you know, does things like so Cove financially, how are you doing? You know, what's the plans um, uh, with with things going yeah. forward? Look, we're doing very well financially, Damien, and that's great. Kudos to to all the board, right? They've worked very hard in the last three to four years. We're virtually a debt free club. And, and that's a great position to be in. We're making small profits year on year, and I would say small. It's not. It's not. It's not gigantic by any means. You wouldn't be able to go to Warsaw be... for a full. <laughs> no, no, no. Are we being prudent? Yes. Are we be overly prudent? May maybe. Who knows, right? Um, do we have plans to to invest more? Right, we do. So just coming back to the facilities idea, we have got three hundred thousand from the government on the sports capital grant. We need to. We need to part fund some of that uh, to upgrade the ground. So that's well in train and that was, we were successful in that application a number of months ago. We also have plans to support Shane financially, right, to try and uh, bolster the team. It is a challenge, right? We're in we're in a difficult situation where we have three strong clubs in the first division. Probably the strongest first division has ever been. Financially, uh, clubs with big supports, big city clubs, and, and, uh, and we're trying to compete with that. So it's not easy. But it doesn't mean we don't we don't we don't we, we don't try and do it. But certainly we do need to give Shane some funds because I think he's the right guy. You know his experience and his network speaks for itself. But we do need to fund it, um, but not at the cost of the future of the club. And I think that's very important. Yeah, we've we've been there. Um, <laughs> um, the three hundred club. So this is yeah. a fundraiser. So you're in monthly draws. It's all about raising. It's a it's a, it's your big fundraiser. Uh, basically is it it is it is well we have a number of things going on obviously it's our centenary year this year guys and so it's a big year for us we're 100 years in existence which is fantastic and we we have a big uh, centenary dinner dance uh, at the end of november we have a museum that's being showed show, showcasing artifacts of the of the club you know going and that that might even be of interest to cork city fans right because lots of the players, there's been obviously players and played for both teams over the years. So there might be some interest there for you and you guys. And that's happening in, in September in, in Cove Library for a week or two. And then we also have, um, we uh, we have that 300 club, as you mentioned, Damien, which is really an idea of mobilizing a lot of our members and their contacts to um, create a kind of a, a syndicate within the lotto. Um, you know, we're not delighted about kind of like that whole idea. We're not... Um, you know, there's a big focus at the moment on betting and all of that, right? And 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 gambling and has been intrinsically linked with sport. We're very much against that, but we don't feel that this uh, this initiative um, kind of like uh, kind of like uh, contravenes that lot, kind of it's uh, a lot, oh yeah, yeah, it's a lot, oh yeah. yeah. So we feel that we, you know, so so people can go online and and sign up for that, and it, it is a good it is a good opportunity for us to raise some money, uh, Damien. You know, um, and uh, look, I mean. We've lots of fans come down from the city, you know, we, and 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 lots of and lots of interest and, and vice versa. We go up there, and uh, and I think so, you know, and we try to support each other in as best we can. And I can't overemphasize the importance of having good relationship between us. I think it wasn't always the case, and it is the case now, and has been for the last number of years, and and we protect that, and um, and I think we go forward in a positive light, right? So that's important. Before we move on to maybe talk about Shane Keegan, does it annoy him when we call you Queenstown? 
Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> <laughs> it probably does. Like, I mean, uh, we can't deny our history, right? So our history, we're next, we were linked with, 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 <laughs> with Britain, right? We were a naval base for Britain, right? So we did have that name. <laughs> we're, we're, we're long since past that, guys. So I think we, we can put that to bed. <laughs> um, Lads, do you want to pick up on Shane Keegan? Because you definitely, Wayne, you might know more there. Sorry, no, I, I was um, busy for that. So, go on. Yeah, how, how did um, that come about? Like, because obviously he's based in Wexford in the first division team. It's kind of a, it was a left field kind of appointment, was it? No, I wouldn't say so, Wayne. I, I think, uh, I would say if you look at his history, right, and I know him from previous, but he's done great things at Wexford. He does, he lives in the Midlands. He, um, He's, you know, he uh, had done great things with Dundalk and he managed at a high level. I think he has great experience and he's delivered uh, delivered for Wexford and he's done good things with Dundalk too in a very difficult environment, right? So um, we believe he's got the energy and the kind of the nose and the skill set and the network, right, to, 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 to move us forward. And really, guys, you know, this is all incremental from us. For us, we want to get away from the top, bottom three of this division and move into playoffs and into kind of being in the top four of three or four in time, you know, and then move from there. But and I think he's the man to do it, but he has to be backed. You know, we, we, we you know, our budgets are smaller, much smaller than, than four or five of the clubs in, in this league. And, you know, you, you can defy budgetary constraints to some extent some of the time, but you can't do it all the time. If you did, Burnley would be winning the Premiership every year, not Man City and Liverpool. Yeah, let's get the Burnley mentioned there. How difficult is that for you guys? <laughs> huh? How how difficult is that for you guys then, Dale? Just in terms when you talk about that budgetary deficit, I mean, look, in terms of players and and whatnot, like I mean, Cork City probably have first call on most players in in the region, you know. I mean, there was a lot of talk even during the transfer window that's just closed that Conor Drynan was going to leave Cove and come to Cork City, you know. So there does seem to be that element that Cork City are the top dog in inverted commas and you guys then live off the scraps, you know. How do you go about changing Mm. that over a long-term period, you know? Not in the short term, obviously, but in the long term, how do you go about changing that? It's a great question, Dec, and it's it's something that... I always look at it from this perspective that Cork is the most populous county in the country. We should probably have a greater cohort of of players able to play at this level. Are they out there? Probably. Are we getting all of them between the two of us? Probably not. Can we both do more? Yes, I would say. Uh, Certainly Cork City have a big city club, big support and that history, recent history of winning things, right? Uh, we won't go back about the older history because uh, that 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 that's <laughs> but, right, the re- recent history of <laughs> recent history of winning things, which is great. And 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 I saw obviously there is a big attraction for you guys for for players, and you're able to bring in the likes of Barry Coffey and and Matt Healy. Now we would struggle to do that, right? Even on the finance basis alone. So, but it doesn't mean we don't stop trying. Do we need great investment? We do, and we've plans to sit down with people with 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 that kind of money that maybe we can convince them to, to get on board, you know. Um, I would love, and we would love nothing more than for us both to be relatively successful, right? Um, and I think Cork is a great sporting city and county and, and there's nothing to stop us, but that's the onus on us now as a board is to get these people actively involved. You know, we're, we're financially prudent, guys, and we've got town behind us. We've got the region behind us. We have a lot of positivity about us, you know, notwithstanding what happened yesterday. And 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 are we on the right on the right track? Yes, but we to make that that leap, guys. 
into into a, a different realm in terms of performance on the pitch we do need greater investment so we as a board have to go and find that it's not going to be easy and there you go Bill O'Leary chairman of <laughs> co-founders um, Bill thanks so much for taking time thanks, out guys. Thanks. Uh, we'll see you again on August the 19th uh, down in St. Coleman's Park we will um, we will we will and hopefully in a better better scenario and and look I'd like to wish Cork City all the very best for the rest of the season and the FAA Cup you're out in front in the in the, in the first division and and let's uh, let's stay there right um and you know i'm glad to come on into the lines then right you're the first uh, guys in the media that i've spoken to right i haven't touched anyone else out there so i'm glad to come and have a chat with you guys so um no problems there thanks for your time thank you bill and, thanks, and enjoy bill. the media for the next couple of days god i wouldn't like to be honest, but anyway. uh, thanks very much bill cheers and, thanks guys uh, thanks bill thank you Appreciate thanks. It. thanks guys the Other Three Amigos podcast with Damien Shreenan, Wayne Mullins and Declan McCormack. Three lads, one podcast.